This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Welcome to the show, and we welcome you to our show, Rabbi Steve Leader. He has a new book, For You, When I Am Gone, 12 Essential Questions to Tell a Life Story. Rabbi Leader has been with us before in a previous book. I really love The Beauty of What Remains, and he has three other books in addition to these four. He's the senior rabbi at Wilshire, Wilshire Boulevard Temple in L.A. After receiving his degree in writing and graduating cum laude from Northwestern, he spent time studying at Trinity College, Oxford University, received a master's degree in Hebrew letters in 1986, and his rabbinical ordination in 1987 from Hebrew Union College. The new book, again, is For You When I Am Gone, 12 Essential Questions to Tell a Life Story. Rabbi, thank you so much for being with us, and thank you for this book. I would like to begin by asking you uh, your view about how to deal with death. And you say this in your book, I've been a rabbi for 35 years. In that time, I've presided over more than a thousand funerals, written more than a thousand eulogies, and sat with over a thousand families in the aftermath of losing loved ones. Being around death for so many years, and the death of my own father, having taught me that despite the fact that we spend so much of our lives working to make money to buy things, collect things, wear and drive and live in things, those things matter little, if at all, to our loved ones when we are gone. And that seems pretty straightforward. However, you say this, I think, very, very poignant, poignant. Uh, you make this poignant statement. Um, and you say that you have this image of your father's possessions uh, on the floor, and nobody really wanted them, not even the thrift shop. Right. And I'm wondering what you can tell us the lesson you gleaned. What is the lesson you gleaned from that? Well, um it really was a heartbreaking image. I walked down into the basement of my parents' townhouse after my father died, and his his life's possessions were in a pile on the basement floor. And it was another stark reminder that what our loved ones really inherit from us that matters has nothing to do with the material. Um, you know, I, I, believing that the material will express our love for the people in our life who matter is kind of like handing them a picture of food. It, it's not the real thing. It doesn't sustain them. It doesn't nourish them. What does? Our words, our life lessons, our, our guidance, what we can what we can share with them of our hearts and our souls. That's, that's what will sustain our loved ones when we're gone. And as importantly, will guide us while we're alive. Because, you know, you're right that we spend so much of our time and energy working to buy things that nobody wants when we're, when we're gone. And, and furthermore, you know, the purpose of this book is to remind us all and help us all to create a document, to create what I call an ethical will that is much more important than our estate plan. We all have these wills that figure out who's going to get our stuff and when and how much of it. And we spend lots of time and lots of money on lawyers and we, you know, really think it through. 
when at the end of the day, that's not what's going to matter to our loved ones. And we spend almost no time thinking through what is my legacy? What is my life legacy for the people I love? So this book encourages us, challenges us to answer 12 questions. And these are the 12 questions, Bill, that I have been asking families for 35 years when I gather them together to tell me about their loved one who's died. In other words, these questions are meant to get to the truth of a person's life, not the facts. You know, an obituary tells us the facts. But the fact that, for example, I went to Aquila Elementary School in St. Louis Park, Minnesota, that doesn't tell you anything about me or my truth, because that's a fact. It's not a truth. This book is, gets us to the, to the truths of our lives, and then we have this opportunity not only to bequeath those truths to our loved ones when we're gone, but to hold our own ethical will up to the light and ask ourselves, Am I living this way, or am I just saying that this is what matters? So it's a, it can be a part of, of our I'm sorry. Life. I'd like you to stop there because I just Don't think it's be. so important. If you would, I'd like to know more about what you mean by writing an ethical will. Are you talking about literally writing an ethical will? Are you talking about something else or communicating in some way? Tell us more about that, if you would, please. I am talking about literally sitting down, answering these questions for yourself as I answer them for myself in the book and other people answer them as well. To really ask yourself these questions. What do you regret the most? What is love? What was your greatest failure? What did you learn from it? When was a time you led with your heart? And, and what was the result of that? What what would what do you want your epitaph to say on your headstone? What would your final blessing be to your loved ones if you could speak at your own funeral? You know, what is love? All of these things. And I am talking about literally creating a written document that your loved ones can have when you're gone and that you can use as your North Star while you're alive. Yes, actually writing down your truth, your story and uh, in the form of a letter. And, and I promise you, and everyone who reads the book and goes through the exercise, it will be one of the most powerful expressions of meaning and love you will ever create for your loved ones or yourself. Rabbi, you have specific questions uh, that you ask the readers, the audience, to answer for themselves. I'm wondering how you happen to cull these essential questions down to the 12 that you have in the book. What makes you happy? What was your biggest failure? What got you through your greatest challenge? Why are those the questions? Well, you're asking the same question my editor asked me. She said, how did you come up with these 12 questions in this order? They, they, they're so perfectly put together. They really unfold a life story. And I, I jokingly and not jokingly said to her, 35 years and 15 minutes, because these are the questions I have been asking in this order for 35 years when I sit with families after they've lost a loved one, and I'm trying to get to the truth of that loved one's life story and legacy so that I can write the eulogy. 
and so that I can help them articulate these truths. Now, how great would it be? And it's so rare that this is the case. How great would it be if we actually had that person's own articulation of their answers to these questions? So we're not guessing, right? You know, someone asked me last week if I had to sum the book up in the message of the book in two words, what would it be? And I said the two words would be, don't wait. Don't wait. It's never too soon to share your life story and your, your, your truth with the people you love, and it's never too late. So, uh, yes, you know, these questions in this order really unfold our story in a deep and vulnerable and honest way, and always, always, movingly and beautifully. We're speaking with Rabbi Steve Leader. His new book is For You When I Am Gone. 12 Essential Questions to Tell a Life Story. I, I am moved by this, the stories you tell in your book about families uh, and trying to remember a loved one. And I'm wondering whether those reflections after a death are different than the reflections that might have occurred before. Well, they're often different than what we imagine while we're alive they would be. You know, we, we as parents, brothers and sisters, spouses and friends, we, we make deliberate decisions about what we say and what we do because we hope those deliberate decisions and words will impact the people that we care about and who care about us. But it's often the unexpected while we're alive that people hold on to when we're gone. For example... When I sit with families and talk about their loved one, we're not talking about the person's resume or their GPA or where they went to college. We're not talking about what we think are uh, of as sort of resume virtues, as David Brooks would put it. What do kids remember about their, their dad, for example? Well, he, he got up early in the morning with me on school days and we worked on the on the cage for my pet salamander in the garage, you know, we took walks together. We, I watched him row the boat when we were fishing and he seems so strong. It's things that we don't imagine will create this indelible impression on our loved ones, hearts and souls. But those are the things it's really the little things because a little is a lot. The little things are everything. What what makes me miss my dad so much? A Hank Williams song, a, a, a slice of a perfect ripe avocado that he loved. You know, stealing stealing a lemon off off a you know stranger's tree because he was a fruit bandit. These kinds of things that uh, you know, hearing "You Are My Sunshine," which he sang to the five of us kids in our station wagon in the '60s. It's not the big things that loom large. It's the little things that loom large. And we don't always remember that while we're living. We, we sometimes, in all that hurry and worry and scurry of our lives, we really are not conscious of the indelible, massive impressions that the tiniest of gestures and, the, and language of love can bring to our loved ones. I'd like to ask you, and we can conclude here with about the language of love. You say this in your book. 
Each time I visited my dad in the nursing home, I would bend down to his level in his wheelchair, lean over cheek to cheek and ask someone to take a picture of us. I have dozens of those photographs on my phone. I wanted each one in case it would end up being the last picture from the last time I saw my dad alive. And it reminded me of something I had resolved to do when I saw my dad near the end of his life. And the last thing I would say to him is, I love you, dad, because I wanted those to yes. be the last words I spoke to him. And I'm wondering what yes. you give as advice for people who see their relatives near the end of their lives. Treat every conversation as if it is the last. And I don't mean that in a dark way. Tell them, tell them what they've meant to you. Tell them, of, speak to them of your love for them. And, and let them know that they have, they have lived well, that they have given you everything you need because you have their love and their values and, and their, their legacy in the marrow of your bones. You know, speak to them as you yourself would like to be spoken to at the end of your life and, and treat them as the fully alive and living human being that they are. Do not bury your loved one while they are alive. Treat them with all the dignity and respect and laughter and love that, that every living human being deserves from that handful of people who matter most. And of course, don't wait. We've been speaking with Rabbi Steve Leder. His new book is For You, When I Am Gone, 12 Essential Questions to Tell a Life Story. A very moving book with really quite extraordinary advice available at your local independent bookstore. Rabbi Leder, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for this book. Thank you, Bill. I really appreciate you and, and being able to talk with you today. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. The only thing that's real. The needle tears the hole. The Western Mass Business Show with local dynamo Tara Brewster. Saturdays at 11 and Sundays at 2. Only on WHMP. Brought to you by Business West. The vital business news in Western Mass is in Business West. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster. WHMP. Do you know what's happening this Friday at 9 a.m.? Is this week's Shop Friday highbrow? Correct! They go on sale this Friday at 9 a.m. Full value gift certificates and you save 30%. Highbrow Wood-Fired Kitchen and Bar is one of the exciting restaurant experiences in downtown Northampton. Highbrow features cutting-edge American food and the best wood-fired pizza in town. Meatball pie, chev, and truffle mushroom. Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m. The Shop 30 store at whmp.com. One thing I like about working at ServiceNet is that in addition to being a manager, I can still be a clinician. If you're a licensed mental health clinician who wants to make your own hours while also being part of a progressive community mental health team, join us at ServiceNet. For people working private practice who want to also still have a commitment to community mental health, 
Working at ServiceNet gives me the opportunity to do both at the same time. Go to the employment page at servicenet.org. Hi, it's Jessica, owner of Fitness Together in Amherst and Northampton. As the weather gets warmer, I know many of you are thinking about your spring-summer workout schedule. And if you're like me, it's all about finding work, life, and workout balance. Which is why when you sign up at Fitness Together, you'll put a schedule together with your personal trainer that actually works for you, is stress-free, and will help you stay fit, healthy, and balanced. Visit us online today at fitnesstogether.com, Amherst, or Northampton, and sign up for your free consultation. Pacific Printing in Northampton has been a leader in screen-printed and embroidered apparel in the Pioneer Valley for 30 years. With 8,000 square feet of production, Pacific Printing produces thousands of custom garments for businesses, schools, teams, and events. Let the team of Pacific Printing create a professional look for you. Visit us at Damon Road in Northampton or OceanUpPromotion.com. For some kids, home isn't a safe place. And in these times, access to trusted adults like teachers and counselors is limited. I'm Kara McElhone, Executive Director of the Children's Advocacy Center of Hampshire County. Our mission is to prevent and end child abuse in our community by providing safety, healing, and justice. The Children's Advocacy Center is open in providing resources to children and caregivers throughout Hampshire County. Please visit us online at cachampshire.org or call 413-570-598. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Ayla Motley is the 2018 Oakland Youth Poet Laureate. Her work has been featured in the New York Times and Oprah Daily. She has a new novel, Night Crawling. She is a student at Smith College on leave. She has been, so you can get some idea of how this book is being received, she's been on Seth Meyers and Oprah Winfrey and Good Morning America. She's been chosen by the Odyssey Bookstore as the first edition club. And she is part of Oprah Winfrey's book club as well. This novel, Nightcrawling, is extraordinary. You start with the first sentence, it grabs you and it does not let you go. Leila Motley, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for this book. And let's start with the part of your biography that just blows my mind, and I think most people's. I think you're 19 years old, not yet 20, and you've written an extraordinary piece of literature. When did you start writing it, and how did you do that? Well, thank you. Um, I Yeah, I turned 20 next week, and I started writing the book a month before my 17th birthday. I've always been writing since I learned how to, um, and this was actually the third novel I'd written, but the first that I have published, and it, it, it was uh, a long process, but one that I felt I really needed to to embark on because the story is important and we we haven't really heard it before. Okay. So I hesitate to ask this question, writer, but I, I'll try to phrase, phrase this carefully. Writers write about things they know about. Uh, novels are not autobiographies, but they do project, I think, in general, things that the author, that the novelist knows about. So could you explain for us how your history, your biography, 
informs this book and the arc of this story? Yeah, I think it's so true that, you know, as writers, we pull from everything that we know and have experienced every person we've met. Um, And so I, I definitely think that I have done that um, in every way, whether I am conscious of it or not. Um, but I really wanted this book to be set in Oakland, an ode to Oakland, um, because it's my hometown. I was born and raised there. I still live there. Um, and a lot of a lot of this book was influenced by, you know, the places that I walked every day. Um, so I wanted to definitely add in parts of myself while still making this Kiara story first and foremost. We are speaking with Layla Motley. She is a student on leave now at Smith College. Her first published novel being reviewed, she receiving extraordinary reviews is Night Crawling. She will be at the Odyssey Bookshop this evening at seven o'clock for a book reading, signing, and Q and A. If you are listening to this at the five o'clock hour, Stop wherever you're going, change your plans, and go to the Odyssey, because this book is really extraordinary. I I would like to know whether or not the writing of the book has somewhat changed or given you a different perspective with regard to your personal narrative. Has it? I mean, I think writing any book definitely changes you, even just because of the course of time that it takes from starting that book to having it published. It's been three years for me. So I, um, I think I've changed as a person and as a writer, definitely. And through being in someone else's head and kind of both merging with Kiara and separating myself, I, I always learn more about who I am and the way that I navigate the world um, and also the kind of stories that I want to tell. Now, Kiara is the name of the protagonist. Um, I would like to know if you could explain for us why you chose to write this book in the first person, which I think gives it particular poignancy. But why'd you do that? I think first person is so special because it allows us to enter the mind of someone who I think a lot of us would never get to be that close to. It doesn't allow us to distance ourselves from her, which I think is really important for a story in which um, a lot of people might want to distance themselves from. So I knew that I wanted it to be to be really inside of her head uh, and first person allows us to do that. I, I don't want you to give away the story itself, but I think that it would be helpful for our listeners to understand what the title means, where it comes from, and that perhaps you could give us a bit of the arc of the story that you tell. Yeah, so nightcrawling um, is, it's not a word in the dictionary, but it's a colloquial term that has a couple different meanings from like a very basic definition of, you know, people walking the streets at night um, to underground businesses and like like sex work, like um, dealing. And I wanted to have this title really encapsulate 
the ways that that Kiara moves through the world and um, and she ends up in sex work. And so I also wanted it to to tie into that. Um, the story is in in a very quick summary. Kiara is seventeen. She's seventeen. She's a black girl living in Oakland, and she um, finds herself involved with a network of police officers who sexually exploit her, which leads to a major investigation and a target on her back. That's based on a real story. Unfortunately, too many real stories. Tell us how that influenced the work. Yeah, it, I mean, police sexual violence is a, a common thing. We just don't hear about it very often. And in 2016, a case broke in the Bay Area um, where a, a young girl was sexually abused by Bay police officers, and it really consumed our media. And I remember paying a lot of attention to it and being struck by the ways in which the media focused on the police officers and the police department and not on the harm done to this young girl and the impact of that um, on, on not just her, but, you know, so many other girls and women who experience this and never even have a space to tell their stories. So I wanted to um, write a story about police sexual violence and, um, and make that more visible. And I also wanted to have it be in the narrative control of a survivor. I'd like to know who were your teachers? You said to us just a few moments ago that this was your third novel, your first published novel. You're 19 years old. How old were you when you wrote your first novel or novels? And how did you become such an accomplished writer? I was 14 when I wrote my first one and 15 for my second. And then this one I wrote at 17 mostly. Um, I, I have had a, many, many amazing teachers. Um, I went to an arts high school where I was in the literary arts department. And so I had teachers who were, who were writing teachers too. Um, but my fiction, I all did on my own, um, on my own time. I didn't show it really to anyone. And, um, and I kept it to myself and I learned how to do it on my own. So um, it was a pretty solitary experience. Was your dad part of this? Um, no, not at all. Actually, we we sometimes talk about writing, but we don't exchange work or anything. Um, I think we're we're both like aware that the other one likes to write, but it pretty much ends with that for for the most part. So you're a student at Smith, you took a leave to finish your novel and I assume to do some publicity uh, after after its publication, which was just in the last few days. Uh, I don't like how to put this, but um, how do you think you will be received in your writing classes at Smith if you plan to take them, uh, given the success of this book? Um, I mean, I hope that if and when I go back to school, um, that I get to experience it in the same way that any anyone else would in, in any writing class that I take. Um, I think feedback is so important, and I would hope that I would get the same, you know, feedback as any, any other student. Why did you choose to go to Smith? 
Um, I I loved the campus. Really, that was the main part of it. Was that I I visited the campus and it was really beautiful. Um, and it, I mean, it's like a a queer mecca, and I think that that felt familiar to me because Oakland is also you know a, a queer haven. So I think that 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 was my main reason. I'd like to know whether the novel itself and the publication and the way it depicts Oakland and parts of Oakland uh, has resulted in you receiving either accolades or criticisms from the community. How has it been received? I mean, we're only a day out from publication, so you'd have to ask me in a few months. But um, I, I think from the people that I have um, heard from, who are are from the Bay, they find, you know, just such solace and pride in getting to see um, our our city depicted in literature in a way that is, is more dimensional than I think we often get to see Oakland um, represented as. We've been speaking with Leela Motley. Her new novel is titled Night Crawling. She will be at the Odyssey Bookshop for a book reading, signing, book launch at 7 o'clock this evening. I'd like to uh, conclude by asking you again about the title. Did the title come to you early on in this process, or was it something that came to you closer to the end? It, it came first, actually, which doesn't always happen for me. Um, but the the title came before I'd even written a word, I think, and I I wasn't sure it was going to stick because the story might have evolved out of it, but um, but I knew that it was at least going to be my working title. Yeah, it, it's an amazing book. The, the writing is just extraordinary, starting with me with the name of the funeral home, Joy Funeral Home. It just grabs you. The book will not let you go. Layla Motley's book reading signing Q&A will be at the Odyssey Bookshop in South Hadley this evening at 7 o'clock. You don't want to miss it. You want to read this book. Really, thank you for this extraordinary, extraordinary book. And thank you for being with us today, Layla. I really, really appreciate your time. And I really appreciate this novel. Thank you for having me. We'll Get be in right on back. the conversation. Call 413-586-7140. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Amherst Crest Program will be up and running by August. The first unarmed community responder teams will be providing an alternative to police officers for certain nonviolent emergency calls. Town Manager Paul Bachelman says all eight full-time responders have been hired and will begin their employment with the town on July 5th. Their initial work will involve up to eight weeks of training and skills building, all being done in-house as the teams are created. The state and its private construction managers for the new Soldiers Home in Holyoke will host an outreach session on June 9th for vendors interested in bidding on initial contracts for the $400 million project. The new facility will replace the World War II-era building on Cherry Street in Holyoke, where one of the deadliest coronavirus outbreaks in a long-term facility in the nation erupted in the spring of 2020. And House and Senate leaders have ruled out a suspension of the state's gas tax, but legislators say their chambers are busy crafting relief packages that will aim to help residents feeling the pain of inflation. 
Senate President Karen Spilka says senators are, quote, in discussions and deliberation about a relief package and pledged it would emerge for a vote before the end of July. Spilka said the relief would be aimed at the most vulnerable populations, low-income and working families. House Speaker Ron Mariano says his team is working through some of the ideas in Governor Charlie Baker's roughly $700 million tax relief plan to create a wide-ranging array of help. For WHMP News, I'm Stefan Wardwheaton. A few scattered showers this morning and then quickly drying out by midday, partly to mostly sunny this afternoon, a high of 78 to 82. Clouds increase tonight, then rain arrives well after midnight, a low of 58 to 64. Heavy rain on Thursday morning, even the chance for a thunderstorm or two, and then scattered showers in the afternoon. Windy, a high of 72 to 76. 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. This News Minute is brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. Yo soy Johan Rashi Vega con la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media. El programa de justicia restaurativa Palante, que originalmente inició dentro del campus norte de la escuela secundaria de Holyoke, celebró el martes un evento anual comunitario en el que, además de celebrar los logros del programa, anunciaron sus recientes cambios que incluyen el haber salido del espacio del campus escolar para operar ahora de forma independiente en un nuevo espacio compartido con la escuela Lighthouse. También anunciaron su nuevo nombre, Palante Justicia Transformativa, en un esfuerzo de mantener congruente su misión y objetivo basados en los logros alcanzados por los pasados años. Se informó también oficialmente que Betty Medina Liechtenstein se unirá al equipo como directora de administración interina a partir del 13 de junio, junto con Daniel Hayes como directora interina de liderazgo y organización juvenil, quien se unirá el 1 de agosto. En otras informaciones, los negociadores del Senado se apresuran a finalizar un acuerdo sobre un conjunto limitado de propuestas de control de armas con el objetivo de terminar su trabajo antes del final de la semana. Los miembros de un grupo bipartidista de senadores se movieron el martes entre negociaciones, sesiones informativas del partido y conversaciones en la Casa Blanca bajo una intensa presión política para llegar a un acuerdo. Los negociadores han reducido sus conversaciones a un pequeño conjunto de propuestas para atender las seguridades escolar y establecer estándares de almacenamiento seguro de armas mientras brindan cierto apoyo federal para los programas de salud mental e incentivos para que los estados creen las llamadas leyes de bandera roja para quitarles las armas a los propietarios potencialmente peligrosos. Las conversaciones se desarrollaron a puerta cerrada en el Capitolio mientras las familias y las víctimas de la violencia armada testificaban en audiencias públicas sobre el daño que las armas causaron en sus vidas. Yo soy Johan Rashi Vega y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP. This News Minute has been brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. We are going to go to Memphis. is the superlative DJ and Johnny Memphis, of course one of the leading musicians in the valley and they are here because tomorrow begins the florence summer concert series tomorrow the florence summer concert series i'm not sure who to start with but let's start with johnny johnny memphis what's the florence summer concert series and what's your part in it bill good morning to you well uh this year they asked me to book the acts robert ross who basically started this thing and ran it forever, decided he was going to stop doing it. And they were looking for somebody and they looked at me and they said, how about you? Why don't you do it? And I'd be only happy to do it <laughs> because among other things, I got a chance to book my own band, get my own band a gig. You know, it's hard to get gigs these days, Bill. <laughs> That's facts. 
given COVID and everything else. So, um, yeah, and I was delighted to do it. I've been involved with local music for a long, long time. You know, uh, wrote about it in the Gazette, and then I had on the RSI, had a local music show, uh, Homegrown, which became a video show, and then it became Up the Creek because the former owner didn't like the name Homegrown, and, you know, on and on it goes. Anyway, I love local music. I love music in general. I love Florence, which is where I live. I can hear the concerts from my house two blocks away. <laughs> so on a beautiful night, um, I can, oh, yeah, so-and-so's playing over there. So we just want to let you know about it. And I'm here with Khalees, my friend from the Soul Magnets. Khalees, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing all right. I hope that also encourages you to walk down to the Civic Center and put your body in, in the audience as opposed to just listening to it from your house. It always does. <laughs> Good. It always does. Good. You know, like Tom Waits says, the best music is on a bad speaker two blocks away. Yeah, fair enough. So, you know, it's just this tantalizing thing like, what is that? Oh, man, it's music. Oh, yeah, I, I better go check that out. Might right. Be. What's going on over there? And it's a really great thing. People bring their folding chairs, and it's a beautiful family scene, and little kids are running around, and it's free. It's on the lawn at the Civic Center in Florence, um, which sounds like a big building, but it's not. But it has a really nice little porch, covered porch, where it takes place, except when it rains, like it probably will tomorrow. Yeah, it's for the first concert, like that. Yeah, do you have the latest uh, weather forecast? It's supposed to rain tonight, like real, real late, and then like off and on all day tomorrow. Yeah, see, this is going to be bad for an outdoor concert. And I got Khalees on because um, I just knocked on her door. She was on the air next door. I said, <laughs> "Hey, Khalees, why don't you come be on this show?" Because <laughs> You're playing at this said, thing. Yeah, I don't need to do my show. I'll come do your show. That'll be way more interesting. <laughs> hey, you better go back. That show, that song's running out, Khalees. Shh, shh, don't tell them. So, so, so anyway, Johnny, yeah. you just told us that, that you were given the responsibility of booking the acts. That's correct. So I, I would like to know, in addition to booking your band, yes. uh, who else has been booked? And tell us more about this concert series, when it will be and how long it will go on for and which acts will be uh, featured. All right. I'd be only happy to do that. Well, I did want to mention right off the top that there is a rain site, which is right around the corner at the VFW there. So um, the VFW has a, a first floor function room, which is great, and it'll just more than likely be moved into there. I was over there yesterday talking with them, and they're so nice there at the VFW. They're all cool about it. And um, we'll just set up in there. So that's where the first band, and this is the traditional first band of this concert series, the Florence Community Band, which is just, you know, so awesome to start out with this band that anybody can join. If you could play an instrument, it used to be in school band or something, you've got it lying in your closet. You could hook up with these people, and they there's like 30 people in it. It varies year to year, but um, they play the traditional band music and other stuff and have a great time. Priscilla Ross leads them, and um, they're going to kick it off this year. So that'll be tomorrow night, 6.30, more than likely in the VFW around the corner, right there in the heart of Florence where the library is. And normally we do it across the street, outdoors, on the lawn by the Civic Center, but I don't think the weather's going to cooperate this year, uh, tomorrow anyway, Bill. How many weeks does the Florence Summer Concert Series go on for? It goes, right, it always it goes right through the summer. Um, so it's June, July, August, and actually September 1st. And it'll wrap up as it traditionally does. And I tried to keep it just in the same tradition it's always been because it's a great thing. People love this. Um, and it wraps up with the Lonesome Brothers. So um, people, that's just, they've been doing that forever. And 
I think there's s'mores that day. This is all put on by the Florence Civic and Business Association. I should mention that. They're the people who raise money from generous donors and businesses and then pay the bands and set it up and make it happen. And really generous donors this year, so generous that we were able to buy a PA system for the first time. So now, this is good news for you, Khalees. This is fantastic news for me because it means that I do not have to bring a PA for my ginormous band. Exactly. <laughs> this is bring- I actually got an email from our band leader, Luke Yeard, like, you don't have to bring a PA. And it had like a bunch of exclamation points. And I literally just sighed a sigh of relief. This is breaking news. We just got it yesterday at Downtown Sounds. And um, it's a nice basic PA. You might have to bring. You're such a big band. You may need some more microphones. But yeah, but that that we can handle. Yeah. The PA itself is is a bit more. But of an the endeavor. mixer, <laughs> the speakers, the monitors, all that'll be there. That's and, awesome. And four microphones. So, and congratulations um, for getting that. That's really great. I know it's really good. It's a cool thing, and it's a great thing for the uh, Civic and Business Association. It's a great thing for the bands. You know, that's that's a real hassle actually to have to bring your own PA. If you don't, it's like oh nice. It's the first question people ask you. Yep. Or do we have to bring our own PA? So this year they don't. Yay, Yay. for that. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. So that's the first one is the Florence Community Band um, tomorrow night, 6.30 to 8. And it's all free, which is a lovely thing. And food trucks this year, Bill. You like food, don't you, Bill? Yeah, bless they checked. Yes. <laughs> and I, no, I love the community feel for it. I think it's just such such a blast that you're starting with the community band. Oh, yeah, like yeah. These? Yeah, it's great. It is a real community thing, and it's just a lovely thing to, to come out and, and you see your neighbors and hear a little free music. Well, the next act, I love this group, Sylvia Johnson and Higher Help, who are um, people who live in Northampton, fantastic soul, Motown. They don't play nearly enough for my liking. They do a lot of movie work, actually, and they do a lot of stuff like that, and I'm always bugging them to do stuff, and they say, yeah, we'll do one, Johnny. So they're going to be on June 16th, Sylvia and Jerry Johnson and their band, Higher Help. Do you know them, Khalees? Yeah, I yeah, love them. Yeah, they're awesome. I'm excited about that one, too. I know. I'm, I'm pumped about that. And then it's you. And then it's my band. On June 23rd, Johnny Memphis Band. I have a six-piece band, including myself. We play what I like to call single-stream music, which is like recycling when you put everything into one bin. That's kind of the way we do it. Because we're acoustic and electric, I have a great fiddler, Catherine First, and now a banjo player. Lori Rosenfeld has joined us, and I play mandolin, but there's also electric guitar, bass, and drums, so we can rock out a little bit, and we play a lot of different fun stuff. I actually bought brought a, a recent recording. I don't know. Can we play CDs in here? What year is it, Bill? It's just 2022. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's take a break, and we'll figure out if we can play a CD. That'd and then we'll awesome. hear more. I was going to bring we'll a 78, but I thought, you know, at least I'd bring a CD. <laughs> Thank you. In honor of me, we're going to bring a 78. I appreciate it. We'll be back more with Johnny Memphis and Khalees Smith. We're going to hear about the Florence Summer Concert Series, which sounds just totally fabulous. We'll be right back. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. You know I've never been to Memphis. Never had the barbecue. Never been to Graceland Never seen the jungle room But I got Memphis 
When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. The election was not stolen. Trump appointed judges say it was not stolen. Republican-led investigations say it was not stolen. Republican officials responsible for county votes say it wasn't stolen. And if you're an elected official and you continue smashing the truth, even after all that we have learned about what happened on January 6th, you are supporting fascism. WHMP 1015-1400-1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. The only constant is change. The world we know today will not be the world that greets today's first graders as they finish high school and begin to find their way in the world. At the Hartsbrook School in Hadley, students learn to embrace change, to look the world in the eye and take responsibility for themselves, for their community. With a combination of rigorous academics, inspired creative arts, and stewardship of the land, Students learn to see the world as a whole. They learn to think critically and creatively. They have time to be young and unhurried, to be intentional, to explore new things on their own, to go deep and master one thing, to trust their instincts, to trust each other, to learn together. The Hartsbrook School, clarity of thought, warmth of heart and strength of purpose. Early childhood through high school on a 55 acre campus in Hadley. Go to the Hartsbrook School website to schedule a visit. There's the Sauvignon Blanc side and the salami sandwich side, the brick and feather beer side and the broccoli side, the deli side and the Don Julio side. State Street in Northampton has two sides, grocery on one side, beer, wines and spirits on the other. Cooper's Corner in Florence has two sides, grocery on one side, beer, wines and spirits on the other. But the nice thing about State Street and Cooper's, you don't have to pick a side. You can choose both sides at both stores. The world feels so divided sometimes. For once, don't choose sides. Go to both sides at both stores. State Street Fruit Store Deli Wines and Spirits in Northampton and Cooper's Corner on the other side of Northampton in Florence. Two sides, same coin. If your Spanish-speaking employees spoke better English, would that be good for business? If your English-speaking employees spoke a little Spanish, would that be good for business? The International Language Institute delivers workplace language training, improving communication among coworkers and with customers. You get financial assistance with the Massachusetts Workplace Training Express Fund. They cover 50 to 100% of the cost. So let's get going. Call or email the International Language Institute in downtown Northampton. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Yeah, there you go, Bill. That's running late. That's something new that's going to be coming out soon from the Johnny Memphis Band, who are going to be playing June 23rd at the Florence Summer Concert Series, right in the heart of downtown Florence. This is Johnny Memphis, and uh, we're delighted to be here on the Bill Newman Show. Kali Smith is here with me. Hello, and also congratulations on new recording. Yeah, 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 exactly. A little five-song EP coming out, so we're psyched about that. And uh, that song is called Running Late, 
which a lot of people can relate to. I know I, I felt that way coming down here. Um, just like, oh, man, I better get going. i got to get on Bill's show. He's going to be livid if I'm not there on time. So anyway, here we are talking about the Florence Summer Concert Series, which is starting tomorrow night. Florence Community Band, 930. Looks like it'll be inside at the VFW. 6.30. And then 6.30, I'm sorry. What am I saying? It's 9.30 now. <laughs> This is the problem. This is why I'm running late. You know, I, I have a little trouble with the clock. But um, after the Johnny Memphis Band on June 23rd, Big Yellow Taxi Trio on the 30th, which is the Joni Mitchell Tribute Band with Teresa Castaño. Oh, nice. Have you seen them, Khalees? No, I haven't. Oh, they're serious. That's a serious thing she's doing. Nice. She's a great band, and they do it as a trio or as a sextet. And she is so good at singing these songs that people love by Joni Mitchell, which rarely get performed because a lot of them are very difficult to play. Right. And they nail it, and people are like, oh, my God, I love this song. So Tell I'm, me she's got a dulcimer. Um, they do everything. They got it all. I'm going to tell go. you anything you, you want. <laughs> Not okay. <laughs> and then after that, the Soul Magnets. That's and my Cooley's band. Is the lead singer for the Soul Magnets. That is amazing. Yeah, come so, out and see us on July seventh. We'll bring your dancing shoes because that's the kind of band that we are. Yeah, tell us what's up lately with you guys. What are you doing? What's a, a song you guys are doing now? Oh, we're writing a lot of original stuff. Oh, good. Like, a I love lot it. of like new stuff. So we've yeah we've been working on that. Like a handful of. Like newer James, well, later James Brown stuff, some brand new heavies, real fun things across the board, but a lot of original stuff that we've been working on lately. So hopefully we'll have one or two of those done yeah. to bring out. You'll be surprised because you won't recognize it. Such a fun band. So fun to dance to. Come see the Soul Magnus with Khalees. That's July 7th. This is all at the Fl uh, Florence Summer Concert Series happening right in the heart of Florence with food trucks this year. There a place online we can go food to trucks, check out? Food the trucks. <laughs> FlorenceMass.com slash concerts. Right on. So, um, yeah. It uh, goes right through the whole summer. And um, Snack Pack before that. Betsy Dawn Williams, B.D. Williams. Do you know her? No. Fun, fun performance. Rockabilly performer. Now she's got this kind of like hippie rock slash old-timey jazz slash cool song band. Oh, fun. They're really fun. I, I dig them to the max. That's <laughs> Snack Pack on the uh, the 14th. And uh, then Little House Blues, really cool Chicago West Coast blues band on the 21st. O-Tones with Motown and Swing on the 28th. Yeah. And that's, we haven't even got to August yet. I know. August. So many good things. What do you think, Bill? I'd like to spend uh, a minute, if we could, on Kalisa's band. Yeah, uh, no. since we're promoting <laughs> yours, Johnny, how about Kalisa's? Yeah, no, I agree. Kalisa's band is. Tell us, like, the instrumentation, Kalisa. So we've got a pile of horns. Uh, the in it. Well, yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> a, pile, a little roll pile of horns. That's important when you yeah. have a funk and soul band. And ours is led by the inimitable Dave Trenholm, one of those fixtures of the valley who plays literally everything and with everyone. He works at Downtown Sounds. I bought he the does. PA for the series from Dave yesterday. I think that's how we know that we were getting a PA. It's <laughs> a small town. We, we had the inside scoop. So, uh, yeah, Dave Trenholm and Fred Hooven and this wonderful new addition, Caroline, to our our numbers. She play, they play uh, trombone. Nice. We've got Chris Fournier on bass, uh, Luke Yeager on guitar, me sometimes on guitar. You're going to forget somebody, please. I'm not going to forget somebody. It's, we're, we're almost done. J.J. O'Connell on drums JJ. also plays everywhere. Oh, come on. You can catch him That's with Young at Heart Chorus <laughs> this week. 
That's right. Young and Hart playing tomorrow night at the yeah. Academy. Mm-hmm. I do so believe. If you'd like a little like foresight of what happens with us, you can catch JJ there and Sarah Van Harvey on on additional vocals. And yeah, we're just how many people is that? It's nine usually. <laughs> Usually. That's a lot of people to organize, Kalisa. We bring all in I can more say. horns when we're able, and and Bill, I almost missed one. I did. You were right. Darn I, it! I knew you were going to miss one. Darn it! That's not. That's not okay. Bill McManus on percussion. There you go. There we go. Nice. Yeah. The that's the full roster. Soul Magnets playing on July seventh in Florence for free. Bring your lawn chair. Yes, and your love and of tomorrow, dancing. We're not a sit down band. Great <laughs> dancing shoes. Um, <laughs> This is the Florence Summer Concert Series beginning tomorrow evening at 6.30 at the Florence, in the center of Florence. In the center. Just come to the center of Florence. Usually it's outside if it's decent weather, of course, on the lawn. But tomorrow looks like it's going to rain, so we'll go right across the street to the VFW, which is the rain site, the first floor function room there. Family-friendly and the most amazing music. Thank you so much for putting this together. Johnny, Khalees, it's really just a pleasure to have you. By the way, these are two of the greatest DJs in the world, so the (laughs) fact that I was relevant this morning was, well, that was was reality. So thank you both. (laughs) Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Bill. And there's more in August, too. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Did you know that you can prevent domestic and sexual violence? You can say something. We all can say something. Together, we can do so much. Say Something is the domestic and sexual violence prevention program at Safe Passage. Join a prevention lab to build your skills and find opportunities to say something to prevent violence. Join us and help make your community safe and healthy for everyone. Get more information or sign up for a prevention lab at saysomethingnow.org. Forbes Library Outreach Delivery Service caters to residents of any age who are homebound due to short or long-term disability in Northampton, Florence, and the Leeds. only live and a local talk in the valley and for requests. the valley. WHMP Northampton, WHMQ Greenfield, a Northampton Radio Group station. It's ten.